0: Amen. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 21 through 29. Colossians 1, 21 through 29. Glad you're here. Glad to be in the house of God uh, as you're turning in your Bibles. Um, Sunday was an incredible day. I looked about 10 after 11. See, their church and Grove starts the same time. Our, our morning, main morning service starts. And, uh, it had been about 10 minutes. We were about 10 minutes into worship. And I thought, I'm going to see how many are in Alto right now. I want to, Because my, my heart, my mind is all here. And uh, I get on the app. And I think uh, I saw at that point, it was like 71. It dropped down to 70. Anyway, by the end of the day, 72 were logged in. And I got so tickled because I'm not there. And I got six with us. Okay? Okay. And Bishop and Sister Littlefield are not there. And there were a bunch of others. And I'm seeing who's not there. And I'm going, oh wow. Oh wow. Oh wow. And then it hit me yet, this last Sunday was the second largest Sunday morning crowd of the year. Second only to Easter, and only by a little bit, or it was it second to Easter. And so I'm excited about what's happening and how God is moving. And uh, I'm ready to see what the next phase is going to be, Amen. Excited about what God is doing and being a part of that is just—it's it's just an exciting time to be a part of the kingdom, Amen. Amen. I do believe, and I know I'm—you're I'm, I'm, standing for a little bit, and I apologize—but I do believe that that now is not the time to get comfortable or complacent. If anything, whatever we're doing, keep doing it and double it, okay? Double your faithfulness. Double your prayer. Double your fasting. I know all that's crazy, but I think it's time to push just a little bit harder. This we are at a pivotal moment as a church, and one way or another, it, just a little leaning either way, uh, can can set the stage for the next 20 years, maybe even the next 50 years. And so it would be very easy to go, "Wow, look at what God's doing and us." Get just just stop and lean in a little bit. No, no, no. Now's the time to lean into the harness. The race is almost there. We're almost, Let's just lean into it a little bit longer. Amen. Well, glory. Let's get to the word of the Lord. Colossians 1, 21 through 29, the Bible says, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, that is my goal, is to help you continue in the faith, rooted and grounded, not dead and buried. Just rooted and grounded, amen. And be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Don't forget what your hope is. "...which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh, for his body's sake, which is the church. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations." but is now made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Paul says, my goal, my goal is to somehow present you perfect in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to us tonight on our second lesson tonight about holiness. Okay, we're going to have a lot of fun. Last week we talked about holiness and how God's holy and we're not, but grace is the invitation for us to be holy as He is holy. Tonight we're going to talk about what that means and how we really can be holy in this life. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated in Jesus' name. Now I'm going to make a statement here, and I don't want anybody to get mad. Judge me, think I'm being disrespectful or anything like that. But you have to admit, just reading your Bible, reading your New Testament, just for a few moments, specifically the book of Acts, you have to admit that the apostles were crazy. Now, what you think about it? (laughs) These men and women that made up the first century church were a little fanatical. They were a little crazy, a little strange. First of all, just their doctrine. That God, the supreme being of the universe, had clothed himself in flesh, came to the earth in poverty. Think about it. Came to the earth without any place to lay his head. Came to this earth and walked among men. And then allowed himself at the epitome or the, the, the apex of his ministry to be beaten like a common criminal judged like a common criminal, and executed on a cross like a common criminal. And then, if that wasn't strange enough, the disciples or the apostles, the Christians that made up the first century church, went so far as to declare to everyone that would hear them that that God in flesh would rise after three days in the grave. Talking about crazy. They were fanatical in their belief that that the being they served was more than just an abstract thought. But this personal Savior had come to the earth and had walked among them. They had seen Him face to face. They had seen Him. They had heard Him. They had been with Him. And they declared Him to be not only the Savior but God in flesh. They were convinced that He was the Messiah. And the Bible is very clear. After a quick study, we find in Acts chapter 5 that the disciples were called before the Sanhedrin after being jailed for preaching this crazy doctrine. The high priest specifically states in verse 28 of Acts chapter 5, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in in his name? And behold, you have, get this, filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. You see, these people had gotten so crazy by the fifth chapter of the book of Acts that all of Jerusalem, which was not the same size as Alto, it was a metropolitan area, metropolitan city here in the first century. It was an incredible crossroads of trade, politics, uh, and, and, and commerce. And here we find that they had filled this landmark city with the doctrine of Jesus Christ. In Acts 17, unbelieving Jews would attack Paul. They would take Silas, Paul, and the rest of the believers and attempt to discredit their work. And their complaint would be preceded by this comment in Acts 17 and 6. These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. You have to understand, I'm not talking about a militant gospel, but you have to understand that the gospel was not a passive doctrine. It was something that literally changed the face of the earth. The apostles were radical in their evangelism, their prayers, their worship, and their doctrine. They were completely unconcerned with their welfare for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were known far and wide and at times found that their reputation had preceded them. There were times where Paul would enter a city only to be met with resistance because they knew who he was. They faced persecution, jail time, beatings, and even death. Yet they remained focused on their calling. The question must be asked, what exactly was the theme of their message and mission? Paul would sum it up when he would write to the church in Corinthians when he writes, We preach Christ crucified, unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. The message according to the apostles was extremely simple. They simply focused on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something, church, and I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to get on my notes just a little bit. The gospel is not just a byword in Christianity. The summation of everything I preach and the summation of everything you and I live and the summation of everything that we teach is for one thing. It is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We don't just preach about death and we don't just preach about his burial and those are important, but we believe without a shadow of a doubt that because Jesus died, was buried in a borrowed tomb and rose again after three days, we can have eternal life and hope in this life. Are you thankful for the gospel today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That message, that gospel-centric, Jesus-centric message is extremely prominent. In the, lesson, or in the letter written to the church in Colossians, this re- letter was written in, in, by Paul approximately 62 A.D. and in it Paul attacks prominent philosophical themes that attempted to eradicate the divinity of Jesus Christ. I won't get into it very much tonight, but there was a doctrine known as Gnosticism and they were trying to basically say that Jesus was really not a man, and he really did not have uh, inclinations and desires like a man. He really didn't hunger and thirst like a man. That, that 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 he was he he was just divine. And then there were others that said, No, 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 there was no divinity. He was just a another man, and he walked to and fro, and he hungered and thirsted, and he really didn't die. That's just a man-made doctrine. Paul begins to attack that idea, and in declaring who Jesus really is. Paul also explained his purpose for coming. He wrote that Jesus came to deliver us from the power of darkness. Colossians 1 and 13. And he continued in verses 21 and 22 by saying this, and I read it to you a while ago. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, Yet now hath He reconciled in the body of His flesh through death. He's made you, He's reconciled you because of His death. He's wiped away every debt and He's reckon, made you whole and reconciled in the presence of God. The goal of that is to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in His sight. Paul makes it very clear to the church that Jesus, as the image of the invisible God, came to reunite mankind to himself so that we can be holy. I'm going to go ahead and say it. God didn't fill you with his spirit to let you do whatever you wanted to do. God didn't wash your sins away in baptism so you could live just haphazardly. God... Saved us, put us on a church pew, made us, go, or made us go through repentance and baptism in Jesus' name and the gift of the Holy Ghost uh, so that we would walk with Him in true righteousness and holiness. I want you to understand tonight, Jesus Christ came to bridge the gap between a holy God and an unholy humanity. I know I'm still talking about holiness. For those of you that are a little concerned thinking I've got off my topic, I'm still talking about holiness tonight. I told you last week that God is holy. He is perfect. He is pure. And if you missed last week, it is on our podcast. I uploaded it today. It is edited and uploaded today. So you can go listen to it. I encourage you to do that. You can get on. I know this is, sounds like a commercial. Trust me. If you're missing it, that's go, go find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all that fun stuff. You can find it. And I can give you some foundation. In fact, if you weren't here last week, you need to go listen to it, okay? okay, Not because it's I taught it. It's just good biblical stuff, and it'll give you some understanding. Understand that He's perfect, He's pure, He's holy, and we are not. I hate to tell it, but I need to let you know again that we are not holy. But God in His grace extends an invitation to us and says, Be holy as I am holy. Okay? The question is, how do we do it? We do it. Because God robed himself in flesh and came to this earth that he might save his people From their sins. We beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the father. Full of grace and truth. He came in the form of a man. Made himself a little lower than the angels. Took upon him the form of a servant. Was made in the likeness of men. Why? So that he could unify us with himself. Present us perfect. Holy. Pure. And undefiled to himself. He wanted to bridge the gap. Between holy God and unholy man how do we know this? John 14 and 6 Jesus says this I am the way the truth and the life no man cometh unto the Father but by me Jesus says I am the way of reunification I'm the way that you're going to be reconciled to God 2 Corinthians 5.19 says this to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. The author of Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16 wrote, Seeing then we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. You see, the purpose was for Him to bring us into unity with the Spirit. Colossians continues in Colossians 2 verses 6-15 through and the author writes As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus our Lord so walk ye in Him rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith as ye have been taught abounding therein with thanksgiving beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ for in Him Who? For in Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in Him. What do you mean? Completeness, wholeness, holiness. You are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with Him in baptism. I think baptism is pretty important. Wherein also ye are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God who raised Him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath He quickened together with Him. Hath he, he's made you alive with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Here's what Paul is trying to tell the church in Colossae. I need you to understand That Jesus came so that you and I may know forgiveness. You and I may know what it means to have our sins blotted out. Have our sins crucified on a cross. Hey, What we sang tonight, here I am to worship. I'll never know how much it costs to see my sins upon that cross. You see, he took our sin. He took our punishment. Wounded for our transgressions. Bruised for our iniquities. He took all of that upon himself so that you and I may be holy. So the question must be asked, how do we access what Jesus did on the cross? How do we access that? Okay, pastor, you've told us that we can't be holy on our own merit, that Jesus has extended us a hand of grace or invitation of grace and called us to be holy as he is holy. But how, if he came and he, he, he went on, went to the cross and he did all of that for us, how do we access it? Do we just say it? Do we just Come to church, what do we do to access it? The answer is found in John 15, verses 4 and 5. John writes what Jesus states, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. The answer is simple. We must abide in Jesus. We must live with Jesus. We must walk with Jesus. Second Corinthians 5.17 tells us, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Old habits, old faults, old addictions, Old ways, that carnal nature, that humanistic mindset, that pride, that lust. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We get a new nature when we walk in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4.24 says this, That ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. We must abide in. In Him. A few years ago I picked up a book. I actually, uh, we were at a meeting and I I got it in a book swap. We were swapping books among some friends and and somebody handed me a book and it's titled, The Hole in Our Holiness. It's written by a pastor and author named Kevin DeYoung. Uh, He's not apostolic. I, I think he pastors a reformed church up in Wisconsin somewhere. But he made a statement in the book that really stood out to me. He says this. He says, A complete disregard for holiness indicates that we do not have fellowship with Christ and are not in Him. Think about that. A complete disregard for holiness tells the world that we do not abide in Him. And we do not have fellowship with Him. What fellowship hath light with darkness... You see, when you and I begin to abide in Jesus Christ, when we begin to walk with Him, we we begin to live for Him, we begin to live with Him, we will begin to take on the attributes of Jesus Christ. We will be holy because we are in proximity and in relationship with the Master. How do I be, how, how am I holy? How am I going to be holy? You are holy, I am holy because we walk in the Spirit. Amen, y'all with me so far? You see if we're not careful we'll think holiness is a list of guidelines and I', I said it last week. I, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel here, but I want you to understand my stand on this. If we just put, if we just uh, uh, make holiness a list of guidelines, we've missed it. it. There, there are rules, yes, and there are there are rules in relationship, just like there's rules in your marriage. Well, right. on, Amen. The reality is, the 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 list of rules is not what makes holy holiness beautiful. The relationship with Jesus Christ is what makes holiness beautiful. Show me somebody that doesn't like holiness and I'll show you somebody that doesn't like prayer. Show me somebody that disregards holiness and I'll show you somebody that can't worship. Show me somebody that doesn't like holiness and I'll show you somebody that doesn't even like church. Well, glory. Glory. God wants us to walk with Him and as we walk with Him, we will be holy as He is holy. You see, Peter really summed it up. He answered the question of how to abide in Christ. I know this is a holiness lesson. I recognize that. I know where I'm at tonight. I know I'm talking about holiness. But I'm going to give you a really good holiness verse. Y'all ready for this? It's found in Acts chapter 2. When Peter gets done preaching and tells the Jews gathered there at Jerusalem that, men and brethren, the same Jesus whom he crucified was really both Lord and Christ. He was Lord of the Old Testament, Christ of the New, Messiah of the New. And he he goes to sit down. And the question is asked, men and brethren, what must we do to be saved? And Peter gives the answer to how, ab- how to abide in Jesus Christ. How to walk with Jesus Christ. How to live with Jesus Christ. How to be holy. Y'all ready? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Y'all ready for this? Y'all ready for this? I'm going to make a statement. I've had multiple people disagree with me. And then they thought about it and go, you're right. You cannot be holy without the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember last week, the, holy, the definition of holiness as it relates to man is that you conform to the character of a holy God. That's the definition. Well, guess what? You cannot conform to his character until you allow his character to get on the inside of you. Uh, you got to have the spirit of a holy God uh, on the inside. That's how we become holy. See, the Holy Ghost will make you live holy. The spirit of God will drive you to live in a righteous manner. The Spirit of God will, I hate to use the term make you, but it just it's the automatic output of the Holy Ghost. That's why people say, I, I can't go to your church, you don't drink. Well, you can go to my church and drink. You can come to my church and drink. You can. Thank you. In fact, I'm going to make a statement right now, and don't anybody try me. Because I'm going to make all of y'all take leave it out there. But it wouldn't scare me at all for somebody to walk in here with a beer and sit on a pew. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is here. And I give them about three sips and they're going to have to probably take that out. Nobody's going to have to tell them. You see, the Holy Ghost has this weird way of making you Holy. Not just dress right, make you holy. Not just talk right, make you holy. Not just live right, make you holy. The Holy Ghost has a way to keep you from beating your wife and talking ugly to your kids. and, 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 and make you, The Holy Ghost has a way to make you faithful to the house of God and help you pray. The Holy Ghost is the secret ingredient of how to be holy. Man, I wish people would get this. Because if you get this part, you just made my job easy. I tell you what, everything in your life can be solved by simply, literally asking, What would Jesus do? Well, glory. Come on now, folks. We, we know, most of us have been around apostolic, the Apostolic Church for years. We, 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 we understand the culture of the Apostolic Church. The, the Pentecostal Church being a, a derivative of what was known years ago as the Holiness Movement. Uh, we're one of the last few... Uh, groups of people uh, that really cling to a true holiness movement, okay? Uh, and, and, and so we know what that means. We understand in our mind that when pastor talks about holiness, we immediately start thinking about the standards of holiness, and that's a part of it. But I need you to understand something, that the Holy Ghost will teach you how to be holy. That's why when Jesus is talking about John, John 14 and 15, remember that, abide in me and all that? In John 14, he starts talking about the spirit that's going to come, the Holy Ghost that's going to come. And he says this, the comforter. Which is the Holy Ghost? Verse 26. Whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things. And bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you. What Jesus is declaring to the disciples and to the rest of the world. Is that his spirit. It acts as a guide. And it will teach and help you and I be holy. The problem is we stop relying on the Spirit and start relying on the law. And when we start relying on the law, that's when legalism takes over. But Jesus came not to Jesus came to fulfill the law. Right? Well, glory. That's why it's really it's really easy. It, holiness is really really easy or really really simple. It's very simple. Pray through. That's an old-fashioned phrase. Some of you young people may not know what that means. Pray through means pray until you get an answer. Pray until it breaks. Pray until something happens. Okay, uh, You know, put it on and say, Would Jesus be okay with me wearing this? Does this glorify me or glorify God? Get on that website and say, Does, does this glorify me or glorify God? Would Jesus be okay with me saying that? See, a lot of people don't realize this. They think it's all a bunch of rules. It's not about the rules. It's about walking with Jesus and being filled with His Spirit. See how easy that is? Here's what happens when we're filled with the Spirit. We don't have to legislate it. We don't have to talk about it. We don't even have to have policy in place. All we got to do is say, hey, why don't you go pray about that? We cannot be holy without the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Ghost to guide us and teach us and help us be what, we've been, what we're have called to be. It's the Holy Ghost that calls us out and makes us holy. And it will guide us in how we live our day-to-day life. Well, glory. We become like Him when we receive His Spirit. And we cannot be holy, we cannot be like Him until we are filled with Him. We can have standards, we can attempt to live morally, we can try to live by the letter of the law, but we will never ascend to true holiness and take on the nature of a holy God until we have His holy nature living on the inside. That's why I don't teach holiness when I teach Bible studies. They don't get it. And I will say this. I'm going to really get in trouble here. If I teach on standards and holiness and I say something that just rocks your world and makes you upset, you probably need to check your Holy Ghost too. Well, praise the Lord. Well, I don't know why, why the preacher would say something like that. What spirit is making you mad right now? That's the question. Amen. See, the Holy Ghost will teach us and guide us. Dad, you don't have to go have a counseling session with pastor before you can let your kids do something. Go pray about it and let the Lord lead you. Now, there's some things that are going to be straightforward in the Word of God. But we've got to get out of this crutch where I'm just going to do what I'm told. No, my friends, we've got to live with Him. Walk with Him. We've got to be in relationship with the Master. And that is holiness. Well, glory. Everybody still with me? Paul talks about this conundrum. In the book of Romans, and in fact, he spends really the first seven chapters talking about the carnal nature of man, the fact that if the carnal nature of man's left alone, it will turn into the reprobate nature of man, and, and, and men will be will be given over to them. God will give themselves over to themselves, and, and and they'll think themselves wise. They'll become professing themselves to be wise. They'll become fools. They'll they'll think themselves to be God. And the whole conundrum. It's a, it's a pretty interesting read. Paul says everybody's messed up. Everybody's lost. Everybody, all of sin comes short of the glory of God. And we know that, hey, I, I know that sin abounds, but grace does abound more. And, and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He brings us all the way through the new birth experience. And then he gets to chapter 7 and goes, but wait. Now this is not King James Version, but this is what he said, okay? He says, but wait. I've got the Holy Ghost I've been saved by grace I know what it's like to have my sins washed away but I'll be really honest right now as an apostle that I struggle for in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing and I've got this war in my members and I'm trying to do good but evil is ever present with me for the good that I would I do not but the evil which I would not that I do yeah I know Go read Romans 7. You'll scratch your head and think a little bit. King James Version is really confusing. But that's what he's saying. He's saying I've got all this struggle. And he basically ends chapter 7 saying. Oh wretched man that I am. Who can deliver me from this present evil world? And in chapter 8. See we stop reading our bread program right there. And we go to bed. And we forget that there's more to the story. Because chapter 8 picks up and says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation to them who walk after the Spirit. The secret, the key to living for God is to stay in the Spirit. Now, you heard me say it while ago. I went to say it was easy and then I changed it to simple. The reason is because those are two different words. This is a very simple concept. There are days that it is not easy to do. Okay. It is a very simple concept, but some days it is not very easy to do. That's why we have to push ourselves to do it, and then we have to surround ourselves with people that can push us to do it. Is everybody with me right now? Living for God is about being full of the Holy Ghost. That's why we need to be in the house of God. That's why we need to have a prayer life. That's why we need to read the Word of God. That's why we need to be connected with people in the church. That's why we, we it's imperative. And I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight when I say this. But that's imperative that we're here for midweek Bible study. Why? Because it's a constant reminder to be in the Spirit. Because the Spirit is the secret place where everything makes sense. And everything comes together. And we find our completeness in. Him. We are complete in Him. Yes, I know we've read it for years and said, talked about that as a theory, but literally when we get in Him, we are complete and in His presence there is fullness of joy and in His presence we'll be all right. and in His presence we can find rest. We need the Spirit of God moving in our lives and that is what holiness is all about. I wish it was deeper than that. I really do. I wish I had something deeper to give you. But holiness is simply about being filled with his spirit. That's it. That's it. Well, I don't know if if I should dress that way. Go pray about it. Get in his word. Let the Holy Ghost lead you. I have enough confidence in this apostolic message and I have enough confidence in the word of God that if you that if you will sincerely seek him if you will sincerely seek him he will be found and he will answer. Amen he will be found and he will answer and he will show you and he will guide you and he will lead you line upon line precept upon precept but it starts in his spirit and i'll go ahead and say it if you're here tonight and if you have never received the gift of the holy ghost with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues you will be you will absolutely be more you will be successful living for god on the foundation of building your life on this spirit I know, I know we can talk about it from a heaven or hell issue and, and no, without it no man can see the Lord. I understand all of that, but also I understand this. Living for God day-to-day, just the day-to-day living for God will be so much easier if you'll just succumb and submit to His Spirit. Be led of His Spirit. Galatians 5, they that walk after the Spirit shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It's that easy. See, I'm talking about holiness tonight. We'll talk about standards later. I'm talking about holiness tonight. Holiness is found in the character and the nature of a holy God. And he wants to make us holy by filling us with his spirit. You believe that? Would you stand with me? Repent, Peter said, and be baptized. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's it, Peter. That's it. Because the Holy Ghost will help you be holy. The nature of God will help you be holy. The nature of God, the holiness of God, will help you love your brother or sister. The outward manifestation of the Holy Ghost. And I'm not talking about just speaking in tongues. I'm talking about the result of the Holy Ghost. It's all through the book of Acts. They would burn their witchcraft books. They would bring and give offerings to the poor. They would have unity and love and fellowship one with another. Oh, they had to teach that. No, 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 they didn't. The Holy Ghost. It was just the byproduct of the Holy Ghost. They saw miracle signs and wonders. That's because it was just a byproduct of the Holy Ghost. Ladies and gentlemen, we need a renewed emphasis on the Holy Ghost. You don't have to wait. I'm going to go ahead and say it. You don't have to wait till Sunday to speak in tongues. You don't have to wait till a revival scheduled for you to speak in tongues. You can be driving down the road and say, "Lord, fill me again," and God fill you with the Holy Ghost. Hey, my friend, we need a spirit on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday, 24/7, 365. We need the Holy Ghost because if we've got the Holy Ghost, we can be holy why don't we lift our hands right now Lord we love you thank you for what you're doing Uh, we believe this word and we stand upon it tonight Uh, I ask God that you would help us be holy as you are holy and help us understand that holiness is not found in our do's and do not's Uh, it is found in being submitted to your spirit Uh, help us God to be filled with your holiness Uh, help us God to be filled with your spirit Uh, help us to walk in your spirit and according to your nature Lord use us for your glory help us to be holy God we need you We love you. We thank you for what you're doing and how you're working. We believe you today. We stand upon your word tonight. You are worthy, mighty, and exalted. And above all, you are holy, holy, holy. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing and how you're working. I give you praise today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said amen.